This is Lemore Daphne from NEJM Catalyst, and today we're speaking with Dr. Mark Harrison. He is president and CEO of Intermountain Healthcare, speaking to us from Davos, from the World Economic Forum. Mark, thank you for taking the time today. It is my pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. So we're here to talk about this great new initiative that you are spearheading to create a new generic manufacturing company for pharmaceuticals. And I want to start by saying that we've seen a lot of vertical integration in healthcare, typically different healthcare providers merging, uh, providers and health plans, but integration of providers into pharmaceutical manufacturing, setting aside a little compounding, is pretty unprecedented. Uh, so I just want to start our conversation by asking, why are you doing it? Well, I guess I'd say necessity is the mother of invention, right? This is not an ambition that Intermountain, nor I suspect the other systems, um, have had. But I, I think as we're organizations that really try and put our patients at the center of everything we do, um, some of the issues we're having around shortages and then secondarily around pricing, really, um, they have they've changed the way we thought about things. And so I guess we owe the the very few folks in the generic drug industry who are creating these issues, we have them, you know, some thanks because it's caused us to think creatively. So necessity is the mother of invention I follow, but now you're having to invent your entry into a business that, that you haven't been active in. So can you describe for us a little bit about what that involves? What exactly are well, you going all, to be doing? Absolutely. So I, I need to... You know, when you said that I am spearheading this, I mean, it's really a we. And uh, I certainly don't work on my own, and um, we're incredibly grateful for the support of the other systems. Um, there's, a, there's a gentleman named Dan Williamquist, who's a vice president at Intermountain. He actually runs our enterprise admissions office. And Dan has a really interesting background. He's been a consultant. He's been a state senator. He's been a very successful uh, business person, an entrepreneur, and this is really his idea. And um, I think that what we're doing collaboratively is we're using the principles of how to start a great business. And we put together a super advisory board and um, we're starting to collect CVs for people who have done this multiple times. And we will set up a very independent company that will serve these systems. So um, I personally don't need to become an expert in pharmaceutical manufacturing and generic drugs. But um, we collaboratively need to understand how to run a great business, and I think we know how to do that. So it's music to the ears of a business school professor and an economist uh, to hear that you're planning to run a successful business and building a team to do that. But I have to ask the question, if this is such a great business opportunity, why do the buyers need to integrate into supplying? Why doesn't the market itself create this venture? Well, first of all, nothing would make us happier than if we didn't have to you know, make a single pill or a single sterile injectable. And that, you know, we, again, this is not our ambition, but we do serve these patients. And I would say, and it's probably non-competitive activity um, that has led to the position we're in where um, the people have engaged in becoming a sole supplier for a drug and then driving the prices way up and then 
sometimes abruptly exiting that production to go find another target or opportunity and leaving enormous shortages in their wake. That's not how a good market works. And um, um, what we aim to do is to create something akin to a public utility that is going to put public good first. And we think we're going to be successful because we don't have an inordinate profit motive. We have uh, we, we need to make enough margin for this business to be sustainable and to reinvest in it, but we don't have shareholders and um, no money's going back to the systems. I think that uh, the imperatives are just going to be somewhat different. So I hear you, you're fed up with short-term profiteering, but, you know, Valiant aside and Turing Pharmaceuticals aside, most generic manufacturers don't make that much money. We don't think of it as a high margin business. So right. yeah, what, 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 you know, are you are you planning to lose a lot of money on this venture, and are your partners no, in on I, that too? So, so first of all, we don't plan on losing money on this. You know, if we're very selective about the parts of the market that we play in, places where there has been or is enormous profiteering, you know, through long-term contracting with these systems, we think we can actually save the systems money and actually provide um, enough money back to the company that remains viable. So, we're not. Our aim isn't to be the sole generic drug manufacturer. We want to very selectively send messages in this market that if profiteering occurs, then there'll be a strong and, and organized response that puts it to death. So in theory, if you if you can basically pose a credible uh, you know, counterweight to that threat, then other suppliers uh, may no longer engage in that practice, and, and then maybe you won't have to do this anymore. That would be just fine. I mean, like I said, this is not our ambition. Look, um, other systems have been coming out of the woodwork. can't tell you how many folks gave me their cards this week at WEF and want to be part of a team. By the way, I can't tell you how many people in the pharma industry actually said, hey, this is interesting, this feels like the right thing. Be careful, right? Because this is not an easy business, but we're, we're here to help you. So I think on the, um, on the side of folks who are trying to do the right thing for patients, this is making a lot of sense. So we started with about 450 hospitals. We've added well over 100 hospitals in, in the last couple of weeks, and I think we're going to top out of over 1,000 hospitals. You mentioned something, Mark, that, that caused my ears to perk up. You said long-term contracts. <laughs> so I, I have two questions about that. One question mm-hmm. is, I, I have often wondered why hospitals haven't addressed this problem by having long-term contracts with the group purchasing organizations, who in turn should have them with the suppliers and have failure to supply clauses that make it really costly for a manufacturer to not have access to alternative supply sources. So I guess the question is, so, why why can't yeah. contracts fix this problem? You know, I'm, I honestly don't know the answer to that. So um, you know, you're, you're catching me on the edge of my of my knowledge base. So what you say makes sense. I'll make you a bet you're not the first person who's thought of it either, um, but I don't know why it hasn't happened. Yeah, I definitely not the first person who's thought of it. And if you ask me any medical question, <laughs> you would far exceed my my knowledge base. But you know, generally, you know, when people ask a really insightful question like that, they have an idea of their own. So why why don't you think it's worked? That's a great question. I think, and it's it's why I asked it. Okay, I am worried about the short sightedness of buyers. 
specifically in your case, I'm worried that the hospitals will all sign up and that the, the prices of your drugs will be higher than the spot price in the market. And that yep. will, you know, ensure them access to a, a more reliably supplied product, but that they might defect when, you know, margins are low and they've got to cut somewhere and they like being part of the collective effort but uh, it's just costly for them. So that's what I'm worried about. So, and that's when buyers don't pay extra for these kinds of assurances because you know what it's like to balance budget. I do. Um, believe me, I know what it's like to balance budget. You're right. I'm actually a little bit hopeful about that. So I tend to be real optimist, as you probably figured out. The absolute dollars for a health system are actually not gigantic in this world. I think that but when I talk to my colleagues, they're actually more worried about the shortages than the dollars, to be honest. And, uh, you know, some of the pricing is, is I think you refer to as profiteering, and I, I guess I agree with that. But um, the thing that really worries them is when people can't get the first choice drug because it, it's not around. I'm actually pretty hopeful they'll hang tough, and um, if they don't, then, they, then they'll lose the opportunity to participate in the future. Right. So, so that's the thing. There's got to be some kind of incentive yeah. to, to stay involved and not necessarily be able to benefit later on if you're not able to commit or willing to, to spend a little more money because arguably it's going to cost something uh, to, have, to have backup sources of supply unless you can be more efficient. And, you know, that, that would be fantastic well, if your team can come up with that. Well, I do think that we do have big efficiency opportunities as we get really large numbers of hospitals on board and with relatively long-term contracts, then we can actually, you know, have scaled operations in modern plants that allow these drugs to be made in, in large volumes and at relatively low costs. And um, I think this may really work. So, Mark, let me ask this question. Uh, industry mm-hmm. must, be re- must be reacting to this. And one way yeah. industry could react is, you know what? Hey, this isn't a level playing field. You've got access to cheaper capital than we have. So how is that fair? Do you have a response to that? Hmm, actually, I haven't really thought about that specifically. So we, are, we also don't have, you know, this is not the entire industry we're talking about. We're talking about a, a real subset of the industry. And we're not trying to go ahead and, corner of the generic drug market. I think that, you know, as I've said before, if people from the conventional part of the industry want to go ahead and stay away from their profiteering practices, we'll just back away straight away. And so I guess in the absence of their playing field, I think that I feel really comfortable with leveraging everything we have at our disposal to put our patients first. That's a good response. I definitely hear that response. You've got a nonprofit objective and uh, different assets at your disposal to deploy in yeah. uh, serving your patients. Two more questions for you. One is, sure. when is day one? When do you expect to, to start? And I'm going to ask, uh, and I know others have, what are you going to start with? Yeah. We expect to go dark for about a year as we're getting things set up. And I think you will hear from us in the first quarter of 19 as we get rolling. Um, of course, I can't tell you what we're going to start with because that will provide too clear a signal to the folks who are engaging in profiteering. I suspect that they know who they are. And um, what I'd say is just go ahead and stop what you're doing and uh, put fair pricing, stop creating these shortages and get fair pricing back in play and um, you'll never hear from us. 
what about the VA? So I've heard that the you know you're, you you have participation from a large government agency. That is pretty exciting. Can you tell us anything about about the role they're likely to play? And do you think the FDA sure. is going to to also um, look favorably on your new facilities? I'll start with the VA. Um, they've provided us with a lot of help in thinking through the proposition. We also understand that they have very strict and, in my mind, very appropriate government purchasing regulations that they need to stay within. And we wouldn't expect them to do anything other than adhere to those. So my most sincere hope and my expectation is that we will make it through that through that process and be able to, when I say we as this independent company, right, we'll be able to sell our generic drugs to the, to the whole VA system. As far as the FDA goes, I don't know how they're going to view us. I actually had the opportunity to hear VA leadership here at WEF, and boy, was I impressed. Very thoughtful, um, very nimble, very patient-centered. But in the same breath, let me just say, we're not asking for any special dispensation from the FDA. They need to do their job. We respect what they do in terms of keeping patients safe, and so we'll play by all the rules. Very good. Those rules are going to cause a bit of a delay, so I understand you'll be going dark and hopefully uh, for not too much longer uh, than than you have intended. Last question for you. Will you take a nomination for a name for your new entity? Please. What, what do you want to call it? Fair Pharma. I love it. And how would you spell fair? <laughs> That's the question. I love it. Okay. Well, you know, you may have just saved us a lot of money with, you know, one of those naming marketing firms. That is fantastic. Fair Pharma, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Call off the, the branding agency, and uh, I will feel I have made a minor contribution to this very, very impressive and important effort. Dr. Harrison, thank you very much for talking with us today. Mark, please. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. All right. Take care, and thank you for this opportunity. A great conversation.